And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's obviously special being in Maple Leaf and, and uh, getting the opportunity to play for the club. Um, obviously, growing up in the GTA, obviously, you get a sense of the history and tradition and, and um, you know, what it means to the city and to the people. And just a hell of a job by the guys of just staying with it and, and not being denied today. Uh, says a lot about our group and uh, enjoy it tonight. Obviously, uh, nice to get it, but at the same time, it's just step one. And, and we know we, uh, we got a lot more work ahead and, and another tough challenge uh, uh, awaiting us here soon. Well, James, it's over. They've done it. 19 years. What do you think? It's not over. We got another game tomorrow. Well, That's the thing is that this time it's not over. The dr- Well, good call. The drought is over, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny, you know. I had some people, like, uh, one of my neighbors said, so what happened with the Leafs? And I was explaining it. It's like, oh, so they only got out of the first round? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's people the thing, that James. Like, it, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because they haven't done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, weird. It's like turning turning something that's like a relatively routine accomplishment for a lot of organizations into... Uh, uh, you know what? I don't I don't want to sit here, though, and take away... No, for this, sure. This isn't, this isn't the right... I did, they beat a very good team. They played a very good series. And um, I'm really looking forward to round two against Florida, too. Like, I think this is, Florida's a, a fun team to watch, and they're exciting. And I think this is going to be a great series. And, you know, it's it's we've been doing this show now for we started in September of uh, 2012. So we've been doing this show 10 and a half years and we have talked about second round hockey in the past, but it was always other teams. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a, I mean, and how, how long, when did you start covering the team? 06? I don't know. I don't. 07? I don't like, yeah. Anyway, I don't <laughs> like those people who are like, oh, I covered the team since blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's no, not. No, but like, it's interesting to do something for 16, 17 years and never never writing about them in the second round. Like you and I have both gone and covered other playoff series with other teams. And it's just, it's going to be different. It's going to be different doing this show uh, for the second round. It's going to just be different. Some of the storylines and things that we're going to be writing about. Okay. Well, we'll jump ahead and and start looking ahead to that series, but we do have to talk about the series that just was. Um, They beat the lightning obviously in six games, like you mentioned, close series. Um, It just felt like a lot of the, when you look back, a lot of the breaks that hadn't gone their way in the past went their way. And like their star players made some plays at 
some key times. And, you know, in game six, like they get the goaltending that you need to win a series like that. Uh, which of those is, is, is most interesting to you now that you've had some time to like digest it? I don't know if it's the most interesting, but I think the goaltending piece of it is so huge because so often they had guys that just came up small in in game six and game seven of a series in deciding games. And you just think about all of the weak goals that were allowed and how deflating it was to a fragile team. And Samsonov was so good when he needed to be in that series. I mean, you look at it at the end of the, the series and he's got a 900 save percentage, but that did not tell the story of what happened at all. Well, I don't think it told the story in certain moments. Like he was that that game you're talking about, game six, he was awesome. And they don't win that game. Like they're down probably in that first period, two, three, nothing if if he's not yep. on his game. Yep. And well, they, game three was like that too. Game three right? was like, like that they, too. Yeah, for like sure. That game could have been like five one or whatever, and they end up winning. So he was he was massive. Well, and it's remarkable when you think of like you go back to last summer and imagine if I had just told you i didn't give you a bunch much context i just said matt murray will not play a second he won't even dress in the playoffs and the leafs will beat the lightning you would have been like i okay i guess samsonov could do it but like remember he was coming off a, a season where he had like an eight something save percentage below 900 the capitals don't qualify him it's like okay and credit to our man josh cloak who predicted before the season that he would be the playoff starter he did not predict that he would outdo a Andre Vasilevsky, though, so he loses a little credit. <laughs> we pro- we would have we would have had to uh, get Josh checked out if that's what he was predicting at the beginning of the yeah. season. But I mean, like to, uh, to your credit, I guess I think one of the things that you had mentioned, I'm just going off the top of my head, is that even going back to like last summer, that the pedigree was there. Like it wasn't like a bet on a guy who had no history of anything. Like this guy was a first round pick. He just hadn't really figured it out before mm-hmm. that in Washington. Maybe mm-hmm. like, and it seemed like there was some like maturity stuff and, and, you know, he's older now. He's on a one-year deal. There's lots to prove, but like, you're right. Like Frederick Anderson, Jack Campbell, those guys couldn't kind of deliver in those big games like he did the other night. Yeah. I mean, it goes to show that like you should take flyers on goalies more often. Like these, these guys, they're like, you know, they signed Samson up. He's 25 years old. He's he's made a UFA because he's not qualified. He doesn't cost a lot of money. It's a one year commitment. There's really like the downside is extremely minimal in that situation. So, I mean, the only downside James was like if both guys just didn't work out, which was yeah, like but then you just go you go get another guy, right? Like yeah, you know, like easier said than done. But yeah, at at the at the end of the day, you make a trade for a goalie. I mean, like that's that's that happens all the time in the league. So. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, not committing to a Billy Huso or, I mean, yeah. even the, like the, the mistake ended up being giving Matt Murray the money that they did, right? Like, and making that trade, like they should have just went with two Samsonov like guys and taking their chances. Yeah. Um, so obviously Samsonov is one thing from that series. There's star players. I don't know that they all had like amazing series. But they made plays like when they needed to at, at crucial times. Of those guys, who do you think their best player was in the series? Uh, it's either Austin Matthews or Morgan Riley. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I think it was Matthews, but I, I'm. I think Morgan Riley elevated his game more because Matthews was good at the end of the regular season. So you know, Riley really there was a switch that was flipped, and it was very very impressive. And with 
how the other D pairs were getting hemmed in and were having a tough time, it was really important that they had that Riley Shen pairing doing what it was doing. Yeah, good call. Yeah, because like you, you go into the playoffs and you're thinking that's like kind of like their third pair. And then the way things played out with how much trouble Giordano and Hall had, that became like they started to play more and more minutes. And you look at the series, James, for that pair, uh, if memory serves, uh, it was six to one in the goals for and against when those two were on the ice. And it's like almost 60% expected goals. And honestly, mm-hmm. like Luke Shen had an awesome series. Like when you make, when they make that trade, I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah, maybe he'll play like 10 minutes. They'll lose him. We like thought he'd be the seventh defenseman. Right? Yeah. Maybe the seventh defenseman. And then it's like, you see th- that whole series, his play with the puck was just like, he felt, he looked so comfortable in those games. And, and obviously his experience uh, meant something, right? Well, I, I should say, I mean, Vancouver fans were saying it all all year how good Luke Shen had been. And I thought, you know, like, oh, here's a team that doesn't have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot to get excited about. And But, yeah. I mean, that's that play with the puck is something Luke Shen worked really, really hard on. You know, he got a skill coach. He, he really rebuilt his game back to be an NHL defenseman. And it's interesting, though, that, you know, like Tampa played him as such like a fringe member yes. of their team when they won. Now, to be fair, James, like they, they had an uh, awesome defense, right? They didn't need him to play. When you have Hedman, Chernak, McDonough, yeah. Sergachev, like you don't need him to play more. But you're right. Like he was scratched a bunch. And when he did play, it was like 8, 10, 12 minutes. It's just like if he can play that well, then maybe he could have played a little bit more for the light. I don't know. Like anyway. I but mean, they like, won I'm two good. cops. I think they were fine. But yeah. Good, good for Luke Shen though. Like, he he was fantastic. He was really, really good. Yeah. Again, if you go back to before the series and someone would have said, you know, he would have lead the defense and expected goals and wouldn't like people, I don't think anyone would have believed it, but he did it. He did. And the th- I think the thing, uh, the biggest thing is that it, in the big moments when some of the Leafs were really tentative and, and he just wasn't like it no. just, he yeah. it was, it was so easy for him to play in that series. To go back to, to Matthews, I think what, what really impressed me is when they needed a goal for the most part in the series, he got them a goal. Like you look at, he scores five in the series and they were all, from what I can remember, big Four goals. Four even strength. Right? And that's what that, they, I mean, they didn't always get from him and from the other guys before, you know? Yeah, it wasn't just five goals in six games. It was when they came that yes. were big. It was... And the thing too, Matthews was really good defensively. Like he was, he was fantastic. You know, like there were games, I think it was game three, right? Game three where they got just smoked. Yes. And like the Matthews line, like you looked at the charts and the Matthews line was like way, it was fantastic in terms of, they were the only line that had anything going. Yeah. And Matthews was at like, it had like 80% possession or something and everybody else was down like under 30%. He did. If memory serves, it was like 25 to 17 or something shot attempts when he was on the ice and like 64 to 17 or something for the Lightning when he wasn't. It was just like they were just getting destroyed. But like he scores the first goal in game six. He scores those two goals. Uh, what game was that? I guess that was game four. four. Uh, the third period goals. And like, and then, and then we can, talk about the the overtime winner john Tavares, i don't think had a great series but like he has the hat trick in the one game and that's like that's the biggest goal of his life to this point you know the ot winner that's and that's that's a kind of play james i meant to mention this in my story and didn't he works on like that 
play. Like that's one of the things. It's it's interesting watching what certain guys do after practices. Like you mentioned Luke Shen and his puck skills. I can tell you literally after every single skate, whether it's a morning skate, whether it's a practice, he works on that stuff. Like it's part of his routine. And same thing with Tavares and and that shot. Like that's not something that just happens. And obviously he gets a break with how it goes in, but he puts the puck in a in a good spot. Did you see the the comment? Someone said that uh, Sheldon Keefe was like yelling on the bench for Tavares to bring into his forehand on that play. Like he was right. like watching specifically what he was doing with the puck. It wasn't just the goal. It was that whole shift. Like Tavares like takes over the shift, right? Like he's all over the offensive zone. He's skating. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but it just felt like, again, it was like not shrinking in the moment. It yes. was like stepping up, putting pressure on the lightning. Like the lightning were scrambling all over the place. Riley goes to the front of the net. Tampa was like, oh, man, what's going on here? Tavares is like dancing all over the place. And that's what caused the goal. Like it wasn't like a booming shot or anything. It was just cause a lot of chaos and send it to the net. And a lot of times in the playoffs, that's how you score. And it's it's really, really interesting because, you know, Tavares' season and like the, the struggles he had to produce down the stretch and the contract and the captaincy and like he's a, he's become a bit of a polarizing player on this team and I think it was fitting that he gets the goal that puts them through. Isn't it crazy that he has scored two series clinchers in overtime? I find that kind of insane. Like he's only <laughs> been to the second round twice. He's been around a long time and like I remember both that times. goal with the Islanders. That was a big goal. That was it yeah. was right. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a more impressive goal stylistically than the one he got, but it doesn't really matter what they look like. Well, and that was his first shot of game six. Like, that's how yeah. crazy things work out. And well, I tweeted at the, at the end of the third period that Tavares had only played 15 minutes, didn't have a shot on goal, and he was one of the guys that needed to step up. And then it was like, whatever it was, four minutes into overtime. And it's like, okay, <laughs> he, st- he stepped up. Do you think he was like, he checked his phone and he saw and he was like, fuck this guy. I'm going to end the series. Um and then, like some of their other stars, Mitch Marner had 11 points in the series. The 11 points feels a little like it didn't feel like an 11 point series, but you you kind of zero into some of the plays he made. Um, you go back to that game four win, he makes the play to Matthews. Like that's kind of what you need him to do. And he plays like 23 and a half minutes on average in the series. I don't think William Nylander had a, a great series, but he made key plays at key times that that's what they need. The Marner one's interesting. So I did report cards for the series. And with him, I was initially going to give him a slightly lower grade than I did. But you look at all the like underlying numbers and, and yeah. how much he played and all it's all fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think maybe Marner just has the puck so much that but, I don't know. But can it, I like, stop you there? Like, I, I don't – it didn't feel like he had the puck as much as he usually does in that series. Now, yeah. it, it's playoff hockey. It's harder. But it didn't feel that way. But you're right. Like you look at some of the underlying stuff, it was really strong. It didn't feel like he was like unbelievable. Like it no. didn't feel like he was taking over the series. And but then so like so I asked Dom last night, is like, hey, what do you what do your numbers say about who the team MVP was in the first round? And you know who he picked? He picked Marner. Yeah. Cause I mean he led the team in expected goals. He gets moved to the Tavares line and really lifts them up. Yep. He he plays huge minutes on the power play and the penalty kill. He leads the team in scoring. He had a lot of primary assists in that. In yep. that, only two goals, but a lot of primary assists. Like there, so I think there was just like a lot of 
subtle things that Marner did really well in the series. Yeah, I think that's right. And it, it, it kind of feels like sometimes how it would go for him in the regular season where, you, you know, like 10 games will go by or five games will go by and he has a, a bunch of points. And you're like, that's like, that's kind of what guys like that do. They just end up on the score sheet somehow. Like they make plays, even if you're not always feeling them. Um, uh, and, and then the other stuff, James, like you and I both touched on this in stories we wrote after game six. And if you haven't uh, read some of our coverage um, post game, there's tons to kind of pick through. Go to the athletic.com uh, slash leaf report if you haven't signed up. But some of their trade deadline additions, like we've written in the past, like some of their mistakes at the deadline, just about all of them paid off in some way or another. Like you could look at Sam Lafferty didn't have the best series, but Nola Chari was big, played big minutes, physical, scored a couple goals. Uh, he Jake led them McC- in hits by a lot. By a lot. Like he, was, yeah. he finishes every check. Jake McCabe led the team in ice time in game six. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly obviously had a huge impact on the series, makes winning plays. But, but Chari made some really nice offensive plays. Like think about the one in game six where he gets the puck and he kind of like scoops it around the lightning defender and gets it to Matthews who got a great chance. Like he he had like a little bit more, I think, finesse than I was expecting in that series. Yeah, it's a good call. And and you can you can you could tell like almost instantly after they got him that Sheldon Keith just like loves this guy, loves having him. And I think I, I like the point you made uh in your story, um, kind of about the nine year journey for Kyle Dubis. Um with just some of these like dependable guys that help you win a game like that, just like hard kind of like the, the the word I was thinking about is like kind of like gamers. Like when you need to close out a close game, you need guys who can, you can put on the ice who you know aren't going to be scared, you know are going to make safe, smart plays. And like Achari is like the definition of that kind of player. And I don't think that they had that kind of player in the past. Like you think of like some of their bottom six guys last year. Like it's like... Yeah, you're replacing the Engvalls and Freddie Goches. And yeah. Like, I mean, go down the list for p- players that have played for them in the playoffs in the past and not been able to deliver. Like... And a, a lot of times they were younger, less experienced players. And a guy like Achari, like he's he played for the Panthers, he played for Boston, he's he's been around, he's played for good teams, and he's just not phased by any of this stuff. What is he? Thirty one years old? Like yeah, he's not he a, he's not a young guy. No, went to the Cup final in in nineteen, faced the Blues, obviously Ryan O'Reilly. You're right. Like he's been around, and and you look in that series. I'm just looking at their forwards. He averaged sixteen minutes a game in. Uh, the series, which is more than Yarncroft, more than Kerfoot, more than Camp, Bunting will throw out. You know what I mean? Like he played important minutes for them. And I didn't see Achari like get beat very often. Or he or doesn't. A, he's smart. Yeah. Smart player. He's man. not a. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but it doesn't matter because hockey sense is really a big part of his game. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and and then the other thing we should mention is. Matthew Nye is like another important play. Like what are what a remarkable turn of events with with Nye's like to think that he would come in and not only look comfortable, but like actually make plays to help them win that series for a guy who literally had barely played, hadn't even played preseason games before those games at the end of the regular season. He just comes in and he's just, yeah, I'm good. No pressure. Fine. Yeah. I mean, his series was completely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like yeah. I thought he was good in the three games he played in the regular season, but he was on another level. And like at sometimes, sometimes he was like yeah. making small, subtle mistakes, but yep. the good outweighed the bad like 10 to 1 for him. 
Well, and one of the things that uh, some of the players mentioned when I was talking to them about him, and I, like when when this um, when they signed him, I remember in in the release that the Leafs put out, there was a statement from Kyle Dubas just mentioning some of the big game experience that he had and all that stuff. And obviously, he was coming from big games in college, and I was just like, eh, that's not really the same thing. But a lot of the players felt like that actually really did help him, like that he was just coming from these really pressure packed situations to more pressure packed situations. And I thought well, it's almost like he doesn't know what he doesn't know or something. Yes. Like he's just, and, and John Tavares just mentioned that. Not, yeah. not intimidated by the moment at all. It's just like, yes. You know, I think part of why some of the Leafs players in the past have been tentative is they've played in those games and they know what they're like and they know how hard it is. And they know if you make one mistake, you can lose the game. Yeah. Nice didn't, nice hadn't done that. No. We're going to take questions uh, in a bit. Let's talk about the Panthers a little bit. Obviously, this series is like starting literally the next day. We're recording this on Monday morning. It's going to start Tuesday. Yeah, I wish there was another day to kind of like catch your breath back and then look forward, but there's not it's all <laughs> it's uh we're on to the next one already. So, they come back from a 3-1 series deficit against the Bruins. What was your level of shock that they pulled that off? Once it went to 7, I thought it was pretty close to a coin flip. Like you could see Boston was really doubting themselves. And I mean, they make the goalie change for game seven. And You like that move, by the way? Mm, I think Allmark, I would have been really nervous about going back in with Allmark. The, I think what they, I, I know our, our Bruins writer, Fluto Oceanzawa, said he thought they should have went to Swayman earlier. He, he thought they should have stuck with the, the tandem approach earlier in the series and that it ended up hurting them because that's what they did all year and had that, that monster season. But by the time it got to Game Seven, I was like, "They're in trouble here." Because like, the Florida's a good team. That's the thing that I think that's one of the things I want to convey on this show is like they had 122 points last year. They're like, they're, and the roster's not that much different than last year, and they have Kachuk, which they didn't have. Like, this is a good team. I know they're an eighth seed, but they had a lot of injuries. You know, and the other thing too is that they've been playing playoff hockey for a long time because they had to be really good in the second half of the season to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I I don't, it's shocking because Boston had such a good regular season, but Florida is not a typical eighth seed team. No, I mean, like you mentioned, they get Kachuk, they do lose players, like they lose Huberto, they lose Uyghur, their goaltending was not good for most of the year. It's crazy, James, just like looking at the standings and looking at like some of the stats between the two teams. Boston went 65-12-5 with 128 plus goal differential. Florida was yeah. a plus 17. Yeah. But Boston, you know, they kind of slowed down a bit towards the end of the year. And yeah, I, it's funny. One of the games, one of the Leafs lightning games, I was talking to Pierre Lebron and we were talking about who we picked to, to, to win the cup this year and whatever. I think, I think he said his cup pick was, um, I think he picked Edmonton. He's like, Oh, my cup pick's still alive. And you know, and I was like, oh, I just, I picked Boston. It just seems obvious this year. And Pierre's like, I never picked the President's Trophy winner. He's just like, I've been around too long. I've seen, like, I think he's just seen yeah. too many teams like that, just not able to get it done. And I, I think actually The Athletic, one of our writers is working on a story about how often a team that's that that's really, really good, better than the pack, disappoints. I don't know if it's like you put too much into the regular season or what it is, but it just seems like a thing where people talk about the President's Trophy curse, which I think is a bit overblown because President's Trophy winners do still win the cup relatively frequently. But it just also seems like they flame out in the first round a lot too. Well, so looking ahead to this series, I would call the Leafs slight favorites, 
Do you think that's not strong enough or about right? Um, favorites, just not even slight, just favorites. I I think they're, I think they're the favorites, but I think this is going to be a close series, and I think it's going to be a long series. Like I don't think I've seen some people saying this is going to be easy, and they're going to win in five games. And no, I just I, I got a te- so. I got a text from a coach with another team that said Toronto in five. Um, you know, people are on the on the Leafs hype train, but I just. Panther, the Panthers have this like us against the, and they got some good players. Like uh, Barkov's fantastic, Ekblad's good. You know, I think people are going to be surprised by some of like the depth players on Florida, how good they are too. Well, you look at like Game Seven against the Bruins. Can you guess who played the most minutes for them? One, two. Uh, I, I mean, I would think Ekblad and Montour. Is that right? Not Ekblad. Montour was number two at twenty-eight forty-eight. Number one. Gustav Forsling at 29 and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good season too. I mean, yeah. there's all these guys that never get talked about on that team that are that are good players. Well, Montour had like a million points during the regular season. He had like a career year. But it does feel like that D, you can take advantage of it, I think, if you're the Leafs. And, and you look at their forward group, their forward group is pretty strong. But again, there are some vulnerabilities that I think you can probably take advantage yeah, of. They don't have the depth, right? Like they don't, no. you know... No, they're not. They're like third and fourth line. Don't don't scare you. I mean, they've got some older players. Yes, like Mark Stahl played nineteen and a half minutes in Game Seven. Like, yeah. So like that's where that's where the Leafs are going to have to try and take advantage. I think that Florida is going to want. Florida is a team that is is really really good at at producing a lot of goals. Like there were, I was looking back at this. The last four years, there's only two teams that have scored more than the Leafs in the regular season, and Florida is one of the teams. It's Florida and Colorado. I I believe are the only teams that have been better offensively than Toronto. And the Panthers have averaged something like 3.6 goals a game the last four years. Like it's, they're very comfortable on the power play. They're very comfortable in like a track meet game. A lot of the regular season meetings between the Leafs and the Panthers have been really exciting, like wide open. Like think of all the the games they played them three on three, where you get Barkov out there flying around against Marner and Matthews. Like, yep. That's what they're going to want to do. I think the Leafs are going to got to stick with the program of trying to win, you know, the playoff style, you know, 2-1, 3-2 games. Well, to your point, they actually outscored the Leafs during the regular season. They produced three and a half goals per game. The Leafs are at 3.4. So just they're barely. They're an incredibly dangerous offensive team. And they, Kachuk gets talked about a lot, but, you know, Verhage had 42 goals. Her old friend. Uh, Ryan, yeah, who we didn't even get to know that well. Reinhardt. Yeah. Reinhardt, 31 goals, 67 points. Uh, Luster Reinen had, uh, they had a whole bunch of guys with like 40 plus points. Sam Bennett, Lundell, Nick Nick Cousins. I mean, they Lomberg. A bunch of these guys are, the Leafs fans are going to get to know a little bit better here. But And and Duclair too, coming back from injury, yep. playing the last 20 games of the regular season. He's a really good player as well. But I think the guy we're going to be talking about more than anybody else in the series is Kachuk. Like he's just going to be a... I think this will be like he's obviously already well known in hockey. He had an amazing season. He's he, a superstar. I had him I number mean, two on my Hart Trophy ballot this yeah. year. Um, but the way he plays, I think, is going to drive Leaf people insane. Yep. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would think that Florida was a more physical team than the Lightning during the regular season. But I, like, I don't, like I said, I haven't looked that up or whatever. But they're not going to be afraid at all to be in the corners and after whistle stuff. And I know Tampa had a lot of that, but Florida does not mind playing that way at all. No, it's a good point. And I think um, if you look at one area that I'd be curious your thoughts on this, 
who do you think has the advantage in goal? Kind of the Leafs, maybe? By a hair? I Like, Bobrovsky is like, he's one of those guys that's impossible to predict what he's going to do. I mean, he's a guy who's won a Vezina. You know, it's funny, like, the Russian goalies, like Samsonov's this young Russian goalie trying to establish himself. He's got to go through these, like, Mount Rushmore of Russian goalies. He's got to go... He's got to go through Vasilevsky. He's got to go through Bobrovsky. The third round is going to be Shesterkin, right? He's like he's just got to beat Maybe. all the best Russian goalies, and and then yeah. in the fourth round, Vladislav Tretiak will come out of retirement. And he'll <laughs> have to face him. He'll have to face him. It's kind of like that movie Scott Pilgrim, right? He's got to Scott Pilgrim fight all the. That's one of the movies yeah, you've seen. I've seen thousands of movies. We're going to get to that. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> You're going to. You're gonna. I'm gonna. I got you. so much ammunition here. You're gonna be in trouble. Yeah, I'm I don't sure. know if you want to go down that road. Um, what was I gonna say about the goaltending? I think it's it's funny. Did you see him after the game? Uh, after game six, he looked exhausted. As He's you might old, expect. Man. No, 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 He's no. Old. I mean, Samsonov. Oh, I thought. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Bobrovsky. Sorry, no. my bad. I mean, he is. Yeah, Bobrovsky is 34 years old. He's gonna be 35 in September. Wow. And I do like James. It's it's kind of funny that Paul Maurice will be facing the team that he coached at one point. That's so long ago, right? So like long I, ago. that's definitely going to be a storyline. We should actually we need we need someone to write that. I wonder if that's that feels like a LeBron's going to write that one to start the series. Uh I, one thing I do want to get your thoughts on that's not super serious, but I think it's kind of funny. There's this information that's come out about some of the games in Florida. Did you see this? Well, I know that they're trying to keep Leafs fans out of the gate building. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm just looking at what TSN Radio tweeted about this thing from the event. Florida Live Arena, blah, blah, blah. Sales to this event will be restricted to residents of the United States. Residency will be based on credit card billing addressed. Orders by residents outside of the United States will be canceled without notice and refunds giving. Well, I mean, there's lots of snowboards that have a residence down there. That's funny, though. Well, I mean, they should be worried because, I mean, if you're a Leafs fan, your team's in the second round for the first time in 19 years. You're looking at ticket prices in Toronto. I mean, it's you get a flight down there for 500 bucks. You go, you're in the sun, and you can probably get a ticket to the game for... Well, certainly a lot cheaper than here. All right, James, let's take a break and then let's get into some questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All righty, James. It is time for the pod bag. It is our game one pod bag for... Leafs Panthers round two game one I believe a lot of the questions are still going to be about the Tampa series because people wanted to talk yeah, about that for sure 
Oh, look at this. The number one question is, I just wanted to say you guys are doing an amazing job. Thank you for all your coverage. Thank you for listening. Our number two question is from someone named Joshua Cloak who wants to know, how much is Siegel dreading to have to spend more time on the road with me? (laughs) You guys have fun on the Yeah, he's a good traveling companion. He does a lot of like... Josh is a is a foodie, so he does he takes care of all the food stuff. He picks the restaurants. Does he eat anything other than pizza, though? Yes. Oh, he <laughs> he's like he knows everything. I just let him. I basically tell him just to order. He's a good traveling companion. Uh, Michael says uh, he wants us to talk about putting Logren in, which we we had a long debate about the last podcast. Yeah, you were right. Comments on. Uh, Logan played pretty good. Like he wasn't perfect, but I thought he played pretty well. I think it's an interesting question of what they do moving forward. I think you play Logren, man. Like I think you leave Hall out, and I your think, third pair is Giordano Logren. I thought Giordano looked better too. I think you're probably right. I don't think you go seven again. No, like Gustafson played seven thirty eight in Game Six. Like I didn't really see the point of that. Um, but yeah, like. Given the way things were going for Hall, it's understandable. Like I mentioned on the last podcast, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but you're right. Like he moves the puck better than Hall. And I mean, we'll see. Like j- just based on the way things went for Hall in that series, I don't know. Like if, if Sheldon Keefe will be inclined to change it now, right? But Lilgren's going to have to perform or he can go right back, right? Yeah. I just think that like Logan, I saw enough that it's like, okay, let's let this guy get comfortable and get him back to being the player he was, you know, for the first, whatever, 50 games of the season when he was so good. And then maybe you've really got something like you, ideally you want your third pair to be able to really push the pace. And this is going to be a series that we talked about. You're going to want to take advantage of the depth mismatch. And one of the ways the Leafs can do that is just put out a really good third pair. And I think that Logan potentially gives you that option. I mean, one of the things we didn't talk about a lot with Hall is that he just he doesn't give you a whole lot offensively, right? So the Leafs are struggling on the breakout, struggling to generate with some of their various generate quality chances with some of their various pairings and lines out there. I think that Logan gives you that opportunity. Yeah, I think that's fair. And 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 then I think you put back in I I don't I didn't really love what he did with the lines in Game six, obviously, it didn't really end up mattering because with 11, and for, 11 forwards, everything was constantly changing. And, and what it did, which I actually did like, is he was able to kind of get some of the star players together more and that actually produced a goal for them. Um, mm-hmm. But I would think one of Aston Reese or Lafferty will go back in for game one. We'll, like, we'll see. You may know by the time this comes Aston out. Aston Reese, right? I would think Aston Reese, choice. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at some of like the... Aston Reese was, was better in a bunch of different areas than Lafferty. Definitely just more noticeable on the score sheet and just to the eye test. Did a better job of getting to the front of the net, generating some chances. Looked more comfortable too. And obviously he's played a lot more playoff games than Lafferty. There's a bunch of questions about lineup and stuff like that. I mean, we talked about the D, but what about where do you play bunting and do you break Matthews and Marner up or like, how do you, how do you weigh in on that? I, I mean, I mentioned on the last podcast that I would have put bunting back with Matthews. I still hold to that. They did not do that. In that game, obviously, I think part of that is just you're on the road. I think the and, and Keith mentioned this, like when you're playing eleven forwards, like they did, it, it makes them kind of unpredictable. Like you don't really know who's going to go out there, and 
Yeah. It just makes them, I think that worked to their advantage. In yeah, that game. I, I think you're right. Um, but I would put Matthews back or bunting back with Matthews. I'd keep Marner with Tavares, I think. I mean, Florida doesn't offer or doesn't have the same kind of, like they don't scare me as much as, as Tampa's groups did. Barkov's very good defensively. I mean, that's like, if, if you have Marner with Matthews, you, there's a chance that Barkov and his line can neutralize them. Whereas if you split them up, I, they're in a, they're, they got some really tough decisions to make. I guess you, you want to worry defensively about Kachuk, right? Like you're going to really, so whatever forward line you build, you're going to want them to be able to, I mean, you, you're going to want Matthews against him, right? I would, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, so they played Kachuk with Bennett and Cousins. That's probably the line I would want Matthews to go up against in those first two games mm-hmm. at home. I think I'd want Tavares playing against Reinhardt, and then I think I'd want O'Reilly going against Barkov and Verhage would kind of be mm-hmm. my thinking. Um, I mean, there's also the option, obviously, of putting O'Reilly back with Tavares. They they can do a lot of different things. It'll be interesting to see, like, just the way that they finish against Tampa isn't necessarily the way you start against Florida, just because the lineups are different, the players are different. Here's a question that we all knew was coming because we've gotten it all season. Uh, can you guess what it is? No. Patrick wants to know about Kyle Dubas. Oh, wow. Wisdoms, yeah, conventional wisdom seems to be that winning around means Dubas gets a, an extension. Do you believe that to be the case? Is there a chance he pulls an Alex Anthopoulos and leaves for another job? I mean, I think there's always a chance, but, I, you know, it feels like he's going to stay to me. I think those are two questions, right? Like, number one, do they offer him now a contract beyond this year? You would think so. Like if if basically you made it clear that the team needed to do something in the playoffs, they've done something in the playoffs. Like winning around is not if they just win around and go out, like that's not great, but at least they've made some progress. They've been a they've been the best regular season team basically in franchise history. But I do think the question of like what he would want is going to be interesting. Like, does he want more control? Like, does he want does he want something different? Like, what if another team comes to him and says, We'll make you the president? We'll let you be in charge of everything. There's nobody above you. Yeah, I think th- I think the those only, are interesting. There's not that subplots. many teams looking for someone like that, right? Like there's there's Calgary, Pittsburgh, and then maybe there's a couple, one or two teams that potentially could let their GM go, and then maybe there's an opening. Pittsburgh isn't a great job right now, just based on the way that they're built. But like Fenway, the Fenway Group, you would think that they would spend and give him control if that's what he wanted. So I don't know that it's settled yet, but I would think on the Leafs part. It would be the question of whether he can come back. Will they want him back? Should be done now. Like you could, I mean, we argued at the time, like it was kind of silly that they hadn't extended him to begin with. But now that the team has gotten over the hump and obviously a lot of his moves have paid off, hard to argue against it. Yeah. I mean, I guess the scenario you could be facing is that if Fenway really likes him, and I know they want someone who's analytically inclined and. Mm-hmm. Our Penguins writers have written about this over the last couple of weeks if people are interested. Um, you know, they could come in and say, here's an eight-year deal for like a huge amount of money. Yep. And, you know. You're in charge. Not So the the Leafs, I think what they need to do here because they've, they've let the contract expire is they're really going to have to commit to this being, you know, their plan for a long period of time. And I mean, his leverage potentially only goes up the deeper they go, right? Yeah. Uh, Brian wants to know, do we think Matthew Nyes is a legit top six forward from here on out? 
Uh, does that make another forward expendable in the offseason? Is that forward bunting? I mean, I think Matthew Nice is for sure in your top nine next year based on how he's played. Top six, I, I'd like to see him make a little bit more impact offensively. Like, he hasn't scored yet. He had the three assists in in the series. If you want a guy to be in your top six, he's got to be, you know, 45, 50-point guy. And I'm not – I don't know. Do you feel like Nice is ready to be there as of next season? Probably not, but there's so much to be determined, right? We don't know what the roster is going to look like after this season. Does everyone yeah. return? Like, obviously, they have some free agents and, and even some guys that they can move. Like, I don't know, right? Like, what's going to happen? I don't think they can afford to bring everybody back, right? Depends what they do, right? Like, it depends what happens with Murray. It depends what happens with, right? you know. But you're, they're, they're not going to be able to sign Bunting and O'Reilly and Camp and no. Samsov. And, like, you go down, like, there's, there's going to be Jan Hall and, I don't know, all the... Don't they? They have like nine UFAs or something, right? Shen. There's going to be turnover. Yep. Matt wants to know: Do they run eleven and seven the rest of the way? I don't think so. I mean, I would be surprised if we even see eleven and seven in this series. Yeah, Keith mentioned after the after Game Six that he sort of liked it and sort of like he sort of liked the unpredictability factor. But there were times he mentioned that he would have liked to have had an extra forward. Couldn't you just like be unpredictable while having 12 forwards? Like, couldn't you just, yes. And and they did that at times in the regular season when they had 12 forwards where they would just get those guys together. Like you look the fewest minutes of a forward in game six was nice at 13 39. The most was Matthews at 22 42. Ian says so much credit to go around, but Luke Shen. Wow. Tough, dependable bags of gritty pushback. Bags of gritty. I haven't. I don't, I don't know. That sounds like a Jonas expression. Please project what a Leafs contract looks like for him next year. You know, Shen's been a guy who's been playing on third pairs, not making a lot of money for years. I mean, I I feel like they're going to lose Justin Hall likely to free agency. They're going to need more right shot defensemen. It feels like signing Luke Shen to a million dollar or less deal makes a lot of sense. Don't you think, Jonas? Yeah, I agree. And like a, a good guy to have around, right? Like, and I guess the question for him will be, is this where he wants to live? Like he has a young family. We'll see. Mm. He obviously has lots of experience here. And I know in Vancouver, they really liked him. So, you know, and he's got his off-season home in Kelowna there. So it it could be a situation for family reasons where, and, and he could even look and say, I'm going to play more there. But it he's he's clearly very happy and comfortable to be back in Toronto. It's such a feel-good story because, yes, like, it, it is. They they draft him, and he's such a good kid. And they just they played him at eighteen on a bad team. You know, like it was just it was a it was a really really tough situation. Yeah, and um, it ended badly. And then his career kind of went sideways for a while. And for him to get it back together, I mean, there were people in other organizations that were saying to him, "Is like it might not work out for you. Like your NHL career might be over." And he was. I mean, James. So I'll tell you a story. It's not the best story, but. So I was watching practice, obviously, before game one. He was out there late, and like we kind of walked into the room together, and I said, it's so weird seeing you like here getting ready for the playoffs. And he's like, yeah, like think of like the way my career has gone, like trying to predict it. Like two, I, I'm like, yeah, two cups. He's like, yeah, also went to the minors. Like it's been a journey, like he was saying, like it's been a journey for me like to get back here, and now I'm back and like trying to win a cup with the team that drafted me. And like when, when he was here first time, like you remember – those teams were really bad. And like he was reminiscing just like playoffs weren't even like on the table. 
you know, like they were out of it no, like, halfway through and now he's back and it's just such an interesting story. Like his dad was, was there watching that practice and his dad, he told me like his dad hadn't been to the practice arena in like 11, 12 years. And it's like, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's Luke now? 32? Like it's, he's got uh, kids yeah. and he's just, you know, he's I just remember when he was, when he's that baby faced kid first coming in there and it was like there was all this hope that he was going to be the next Adam foot and all this stuff all this pressure on the, the captain the, remember yeah all this pressure on the poor kid and then you know for him to to struggle and then be traded the way he was it's you know good for him for having the kind of fortitude to come back yep all right we have time for one more and then I have to quiz you <laughs> oh Jonas there's so many questions Steve says, has anyone checked on Chris Weidman's feelings? That's funny. <laughs> John says, what do we do now? Did you see that call from Ralphie after they won? Well, and, and good news for those guys, James. They are going to travel now in round two. Writing a big time wrong that shouldn't have existed in the first place. I tell you, man, like sports radio in this country is in big trouble. Like it's, you see all the stations closing and people losing their jobs. Let's be positive, James. Let's be positive. Positive. I mean, like a lot of my friends like are out of work and like it's, it's tough. I know. It's tough. It's a, it's hard to watch. But the biggest team in hockey should be sending their play-by-play people on the road. That's all we'll say. All right, James. So you claim to be a a movie expert. So I want to see which movies in recent years recent you have seen so i'm gonna i i just with punch's help i've come up with some some movies of notable notable movies to see if you've seen i'm very interested if it's anything that's like in the theaters in the last six months i don't i don't get to the theater but okay uh let's start with a big one top gun maverick well, I told you I hadn't seen that yet. Okay. I already told you that. Okay. Yeah. I've I got it queued up on Paramount Plus. Just wanted to get to it watch. on the record. Uh, La La Land. <laughs> I've seen that. Yes. You've seen La La Land? Whiplash. Yes. yes. I've seen that more than once. Uh, let's see. Coda. Uh, no, I have not seen that. Yeah. That's the one about the. Uh, I want to say that's the one. That is, I think it's a deaf woman. Is that right? It is. A uh, deaf family. It won the best picture at the Oscars a couple years ago. That's on my list to see. I, uh, Jonas, I'm a, I'm, I'm a movie guy. Like, I see everything. Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have not seen that yet. Wow. That's also. You can't, be, you can't call yourself a movie guy and have not seen that. That is. You, you yeah. just. You've. That's also on my like must watch list. The other one I haven't seen that I really want to see is Parasite. Like I know. Oh that there's, my god! There's oh my god! All right, it's over. <laughs> that was on the list. It's over. You know what happens Thank with you. some of these is I want to watch them with my wife, so we kind of just like okay, let's like wait till we have time to like and like it just it never happens. I have to just watch them on my own. I think my work here is done. All right, James. Well, Jonas, like. If we want to play this game, it's like you had never seen a Terminator movie. You had never seen one of the Aliens movies. You had never seen a Blade Runner movie. You had never seen Total Recall. I gave you a list of movies to watch, and it was like... Those movies were all made before I was born. And now I have seen them. The point is, James, you've not seen many... You call yourself a cinephile, and you haven't seen many important movies in the last, like, five years. So, this is over. I mean... You pick. There's like four or five that I need to catch up on, but okay. I'll get. I'll name some other ones. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I haven't seen that yet. Neither. No, I know that's another one I need okay. to see. Okay, how about King Richard? Uh who's it, who's King Richard in that one? Will Smith won the Oscar. 
famously. Oh, that. Oh, 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 that King. I thought you were talking about like a historical drama, King Richard. <laughs> okay. No, I, I haven't seen that one either. Uh, what about Nightmare Alley? I don't even know what that is. Okay, What's that? Of course, uh, it was Bradley Cooper. It was up for Best Picture a couple years ago. How about uh, Her with Joaquin Phoenix? Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, that was a okay. great movie. All right. I did All see right. the one that wasn't Bradley Cooper up for for the Oscar for the. Uh, Shoot, what was that movie? Wasn't he up for it with the one that he did with Lady Gaga? Yes, A Star is Born. Have you seen that? Star is Born. Yeah, it was great. Nice. Okay, all right. We're making some progress. I've seen I've seen a lot of like the Oscar movies. Yeah, but you Clearly did not. Th- you did a nice job of picking out <laughs> a handful that I need to catch up on. Did you see the Fablemans? No. Did you see Nope? Yes, I did see that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What about Nomadland? Huh? No, I would sad. It won the best picture a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Francis McDermott. I tell you, man, you have two kids and you go on a time warp. It's like work and do bath time. And <laughs> Did you see? <laughs> That's great. That's a great list, though. I, I'm going to have to listen back to this and write all these down and go, <laughs> back, and go back and watch them. You've seen There Will Be Blood, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen okay. that many times. No Country for Old Men, obviously. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, if you get back into like when my yeah the the problem has been the last like three or four years I missed a bunch, like the fact I haven't seen like Parasite and stuff yet is just like it's pretty sad. All right, James, <laughs> uh, we will be back TBD on the timing. Uh, we're still figuring that out, but thank you for doing this. Thank you for everyone listening. Uh, go to theathletic.com/slash/leafreport if you haven't signed up. Leafs Panthers, we have lots to discuss uh, later this week. So thank you, James. We will talk soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.